0: Yeah, watch hip hop evolution, it's awesome it's Anyways, how are you guys out there? This is Dane Owens, the host of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, here to tell you and break down the latest and greatest in wrestling news from the last week. Uh, hey, this is one of those times where we're doing the double show. We've got to put in more work, you know, to be better workers for you guys out there so we don't do the J-O-B to people that don't fucking deserve it, if you understand what I'm saying. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I am also... Uh joined by my co host who's giggling at my jokes, uh, because I pay him five dollars every week for it. Mr. Christopher <laughs> Brother Ray Patton, thank you so much. You're a wonderful investment.
1: Yeah, man, you know, we gotta pull the Jim Cornette schedule, you know, wrestle in Atlanta then drive to New Mexico the same day. Now that they've uh now that they that all of a sudden there's seven wrestling shows a week. I'm doing great, man. How are you?
0: I'm doing good I'm gonna pick about, I don't know, five Wendy's fucking cheeseburgers with double mayonnaise and double cheese, motherfucker.
1: <laughs> Calm down, corny. Uh, make make sure you have your burger towel.
0: damn what does he call it? Those goddamn outlaw fucking mud shows and their fucking goddamn gyms, motherfucker.
1: I kinda wanna pay him to give us a review that's just him calling our podcast an out while fucking mud show. <laughs>
0: Oh my God, that would be amazing. That really would. That would. That would, if anything, it would help us get over. So that's why I probably wouldn't do it. Uh, yeah. Oh uh, God. But I love Jim Cornette, and uh, I feel like you're I not love,
1: over. I feel like you're not over unless Jim Cornette said something bad about you at
2: some point.
0: <laughs> no shit, man. Oh Lord. I love how he can he can really, you know, if you watch his show and you just don't hate him based on not knowing shit about him and because he's gone against some of your favorite wrestlers. Um, if you just know him for his old wrestling mind, I know he's a little bit eccentric. He's been reviewing AEW, you know, and NXT and uh, giving them pretty good reviews, uh, unless it comes to people like Kenny Omega, and then he slowly jabs them to death and then kind of goes around it. But it's pretty funny, um, you know. Maybe, uh, yeah, he's definitely in Corny's defi- eyes. Hey, hey, Chris, in Corny's eyes, Kenny needs to clean up his shit. Get it? But
1: I'm uh, sorry. He's really gonna hate uh, Kenny Omega next week because he's wrestling one of his favorite people of all time, Joey Janella, So I'm sure that there will be some some <laughs> heat there <laughs> for sure on that fucking, next review.
0: <laughs> should be at some goddamn armory in Kansas. Goddammit, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Um sorry. All right, but let's, let's move on to something that's a little bit Jim Cornette-related um, because he is one of the main announcers for a show that you were kind of alluding to with NWA Power. Um, we got to see the first episode this week on Tuesday. Guys, remember, Tuesday is going to be stacked with wrestling because I believe NWA Power and also AEW Dark both get released, I'm pretty sure, at 6 p.m. So you can watch one or the other, and then if you choose to – uh, Impacts about to start uh, with their new programming live on Access. So I think that's an it's it's right after the pay per view. They got the new stuff coming out, but um, that's pretty awesome yeah. and a cool option uh, for uh, yeah. Tuesdays. Do you agree, Chris?
2: Yeah,
1: I think it's awesome and the, and the great thing is they're not really forcing you to choose one with NWA because it's on YouTube. So it's gonna be it's posted up almost right after yeah. it airs live. So you have a well, good yeah, opportunity to have. that
0: Uh, Dark are both on YouTube for free for anyone to watch.
1: Which is awesome. I think that's a good way for like AEW's, you know, big enough that you don't really have to worry about it. But like what MLW and uh, NWA is doing kind of opens to a broader market. And I think a lot of people are going to get into the NWO um, specifically, or NWA (laughs) specifically, the older generation um, for sure.
0: Well, listen up, brother. I'm part of the NWA now, and I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) – It's
2: going
0: to be a long morning. All right. Well, anyways, NWA Power is now doing studio shows. We kind of talked a little bit about it. We just went into it in the last ten minutes of our show last week, or really last week, but uh, this week on Wednesday, I should say. Uh, But it was really awesome. I really enjoyed it. I love that we have – I don't know a lot about Joe Galley, but obviously I know Jim Cornette, and they are the two, um, you know, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, announcers for this. So you're going to be able to hear Jim Cornette's beautiful, beautiful, soothing voice um, (laughs) with his amazing puns and his – you know, he's a very impressive uh, commentator, and this seems very akin to him because of how much – you know, Mid-South Wrestling and obviously Georgia Championship Wrestling in the Territory Days, the NWA, they mean a lot to Jim Cornette. So, for him to be a part of this, I think he's really cool, regardless how you feel about him and if you hate him. Like I said, you just don't understand he's a polarizing figure and he knows a lot about wrestling and he's got his opinions, man. You know, shit, shit happens. But uh, it opened up with uh, NWA World Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis coming out to uh, see a promo. Nick's kind of towing the line a bit between the Magnus heel that he's known for And kind of like just a badass who's in charge. He doesn't cut down anyone. He kind of talks about how good NWA is and how great James Storm is and how great, I believe it's Sienna. It's not, that's not her name anymore, but that was her name in um, Impact. But uh, how they are as champions and how they're going to really show some stuff. Uh, that's different to everything and and bring you this great product. And it looked very old school. It's produced very old school. We'll kind of go into some of the ads as we go, like the fucking crazy-ass one with Austin Idol. Um, But, uh, yeah, I thought that the opening was really cool, and I think Nick Aldis is money on the mic, and I like the, the way they're presenting this right off the bat. What do you think? I think that
1: we got spoiled with promos this week. Like after going so long without having some really good American wrestling promos on a, like a, a stage, like, you know, what NWA is doing and, and what we're going to talk about with AEW later. Um, we were spoiled uh, specifically with NWA and AEW. I absolutely love the promo. I think Nick Aldis is great. He's kind of been on fire since he uh, had that match with Cody and then won the title back and probably even a little before then, but that's really when I, to me, that's when NWA started kind of picking up some traction and, um, and then they had their first pay-per-view and stuff but like since then he's been absolutely amazing. I never really saw that from him when he was in TNA and maybe that's just, you know, TNA booking when he was a uh, Magnus, but it seems like he's grown leaps and bounds and is an incredible person for them to have the title on right now.
0: And like I said before just really quickly, if you really like NWA Power it's very different, different in production, the way that they do it. Like I said, it's a very old-school feel. Everything in the promos – or the uh, not the promos, but – well, the promos too, but the advertisement it looks very 80s, the way it's done. They have a completely different show that I think is really worth watching. It's a sports documentary that's much more real uh, called Ten Pounds of Gold on the same exact channel, free two, that uh, Dave Lagana does with Billy Corgan for the Champions. And watching Nick's journey – uh even him deciding that one of the biggest one of the biggest deals to him was him thinking about the fact that he got to wrestle you know or defend the NWA title in front of Harley Race before he passed away and this means a lot to him and i think a lot of the guys that get in the future and the ones that they already have in NWA is going to really solidify that old school wrestling feel and that old school 80s camaraderie uh that you don't see in a lot of promotions today would you would you agree with that Chris
1: I agree with you a hundred percent on that. Like for instance, Tim storm kind of reminds me a little bit of like a a Dick Slater or a Dick Murdoch. Yeah. (laughs) There's definitely things that you can draw from some of these characters and the way that they're being promoted. And uh, as far as like the overall presentation, I absolutely love it. I've had several of my friends who uh, are older and really love it. They're like, this is like what I watched growing up and I I love the presentation and the way it looks. I know it's going to throw some people off. Uh, it's shot a lot closer to the ring, um, very similar to those old TV tapings. So some, of the, some of the camera angles make the ring actually look smaller, which it is. It's 18 by 18, I think, instead of uh, – if you're used to WWE, I think it's like the size of a boxing ring. So I think it's like 24 by 24, so it's it's a lot bigger. Um, so that might throw some people off. Uh, the way they kind of shoot the camera angles as far as the matches go might – If you're used to, like, AW or uh, WWF, that might throw some people off. But I kind of like it because it does remind me of, like, hey, not every camera shot's perfect, but you're still getting most of the in-ring action. (laughs) I love the fact that there's no entrance music. There's no, like, pyro. (laughs) There's not really even, like, a ring announcer uh, as far as, like, calling people out to the ring. Uh, I love the backstage set. Like you said, it's very 80s. It's almost like they cut everything out of, like, Press board or something, and then spray painted it. <laughs> that's probably a bad, bad uh, comparison, but that's kind of what it looks like. It, I mean, it's super cheap. Yeah. It looks like an 80s game show essentially. Or if you, uh, if uh, for the older fans out there, if you've ever watched, you know, like some late or some like say some 87 WCCW or WCW with Ric Flair cutting those promos on a weird stage. Um, it looks like that. <laughs> that's the that's the example I immediately draw to.
0: Yeah, dude, it really does. It has that gritty, gritty feel. And I kind of told you this uh, beforehand. I mean, if if they ever if they end up doing really good on YouTube, I feel like, and this is gonna sound weird, but based on their their commercials and how that look, it has somewhat. And they, they're going for the same thing, a Tim and Eric kind of feel to it, and or Adult Swim with a lot of their programming. So I know that TNT and and uh, Cartoon Network are both owned by Turner. Uh, and I, I don't know if there would be any problem with AEW, but if they were to have that show you know, on actual television and just record it when they record it and then release it later on on Adult Swim, like on the weekends, I actually think that they could find an audience because of the weird stuff that they put on that channel sometimes anyways. I don't know. I could be completely wrong on that.
1: I mean, I, I think that's a, dev- like a great idea, and you can still show it on YouTube, and if you just want to run a replay late at night, That kind of harkens back to what wrestling was uh, in the 70s and 80s, where you just show it on a random day at a random time, and it's pre-recorded, anyways. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's tons they can do there, and and they're no, they're not really in competition with AEW at all. And so, like you, you would think like the Turner Network would hop on that and have maybe even show it, you know, after AEW or something or or on FS1. Uh, When they're doing SmackDown, I think there's a lot of things you can do with it. I like they're trying to grow it slowly, and it seems like they've been doing that since what 2017s when he bought it. Um, Yeah, so they. They've done a really great job of building this thing slowly because when I originally heard – I think we even talked about it on the podcast. When I heard Billy Corgan bought NWA, I I think my exact comment was like, what did he actually buy besides (laughs) the name NWA? Um, And so far, he has proven me completely wrong, and this was a great first episode, and I can't wait to go see some of these tapings because I think it's uh, going to be fucking phenomenal going forward.
0: And they do uh back-to-back tapings, uh, two days, I think during the week or maybe the weekend. Um, and they do three episodes per taping. That's what my buddy, uh, Michael Hoyt and, uh, Jeffrey Taylor, Jeffrey show live. Go check them out guys. He's doing some awesome stuff. Um, I, they were on, um, I think they're, they went to both days. So they're on the episodes in the background, Chris, if you can see them in the audience, you can see Hoyt and Jeffrey just hanging out for the first six episodes. that will be released. But, um, Pretty cool. Let's, uh, let's move on to some of these matches and break them down a bit. We had, right after Nick Aldis, his little introduction as a champion and, and you know, hyping up the organization, talking good about his opponent, Tim Storm, the former champion that's going to happen later on tonight, and, uh, you know, just hyping up the champions that they have. Uh, we had the Dawson's, Dave and Zane Dawson, going against Sal Rinala or Renaro and uh, Billy Buck, Uh, who are I'm pretty sure people were saying are local guys within Georgia, which is awesome, or in Atlanta, I should say. I hope to see a lot of the guys that I've seen on the different circuits in the Indies in Atlanta get a chance to shine, even if it is as, uh, you know, uh, guys getting squashed a bit. But that's exactly what happened. Dave and Zane kind of just smashed into them and and destroyed them. I'm pretty sure that Dave and Zane's father is actually a one-man gang, Dawson. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that, but they look like they came from his loins. Um, kind of reminded me of that. Afterwards, they had a pretty good promo where they're like, we're big, main guys, and we're going to eat you. We're going to kill you, uh, back-to-back, which was cool. And uh, then we had that weird Austin Idol uh, wrestling school promo, which was pretty fucking awesome. The dude looks like a hot dog, but he's still doing his thing, you know. And then um, we had Eli Drake hit the, uh, the, the, um, the ring to do an interview um, and we'll go over his match next. But uh, Drake got a great promo talking about how the best want the gold in the NWA. And he said, James Storm and Nick Ellis need a watch for him as he's coming for all the gold. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what did you think about the Dawson's match, Austin Idol's weird promo and Eli Drake's um, promo right before his match?
1: <laughs> Eli Drake's promo was absolutely phenomenal, but I wouldn't expect anything less of them. And uh, I still think it's a huge mistake that you know WWE didn't sign him or AEW didn't sign him but good for NWA. Uh no I shit. actually like I actually like the tag squash match. I think you are right. I I am pretty sure that's One Man Gang's uh kids. Um I liked it a lot because all it did was highlight their moves, what they could do. They didn't sell too much like uh squash matches in WWE sometimes. Um they just straight beat that ass and then cut a promo. It was very old school, <laughs> but you know, it's not the main event. It's it's more to gear you towards what the main event is going to be, getting these characters over. So from that standpoint, I mean it was very, very old school NWA. Um, but I thought it was well done and it wasn't like overdrawn or anything. So I actually I kinda liked it.
0: Yeah, and I, I just want to admit, and hopefully you knew this, but um, I was joking about the woman gang thing. I have no idea if that's true. I don't want anyone yelling at me uh, out there. Um,
1: I was fucking. Yeah, I was. I, 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 I was like getting too. I just wanted to see if you would say anything.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm loopy. Well, I, I I don't want that one asshole out there that's listening and and just like it's not true. Blah, blah. They're from blah 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 Texas. And it's like, I, okay, great. You know, I'm sorry. So just gotta. I had a had to verify. Um,
1: maybe maybe anywhere, they're uh... um, maybe they're the illegitimate kids of Martha uh, our Session Moth and uh, Heath Slater. You know, because he's got all them kids.
0: Yeah, that that could be it, you know. She's got that golden dust, too. Um, anyways, so now I'm turning red, and there's no reason for it. Eli Drake, uh, he he defeated Caleb Conley, but it was a good match, I think, for both guys. Uh, you know, they definitely tried – kept on one-upping each other, but mostly it was a lot of offense from Eli Drake. Uh, Drake ate an al- elbow and kicked from Conley, and Conley – got through a bunch of clotheslines. Uh, it basically I think, ended with um, Conley hitting a corkscrew uh, for the two count, and he went for springboard moot salt, but Drake hit the gravy train for the pinfall victory. Uh, we had nice video of the hype between Allison Storm. Obviously, Storm, right when Billy Corgan won uh, the, or, or <clears throat> won, when he purchased the organization of the NWA, Tim was the champion instead of, like, what a lot of promoters would probably do and put the, uh, you know, the, the, the animal uh, to, to pasture, if you will, uh, he decided to include him and make him a strong champion of the past to kind of, like, give him a lot of legitimacy. And Tim Storm is giving up his ability after this, if he loses to Nick Aldis, to be able to go after the NWA championship again. So this is the last straw. And I think that we will see Tim – Because, obviously, if you listen to this and you realize we're breaking it down, he doesn't win at the end of the night inevitably. But I think he's still sticking around. This just takes him out of the championship picture, which, if he's getting slowly ready to retire, makes a lot of sense. It just made them both, Nick and Tim, which if people don't know a lot about them, look really, really good. So how would you like the match uh, with, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Eli Drake and Caleb Conley? And how would you like this hype video uh, with the relationship between Nick Aldis and Tim Storm, Chris?
1: So I liked Eli Drake getting a strong win after a great promo, and um, Tim Storms was great here, uh, and it definitely set up what the main event was going to be. I don't, I don't think they gave too much away. Normally, I would be like, uh, that's kind of a blow off match, but I mean, it that's what it was. It's just a little weird because it's on their first episode, but outside of that, like, he's not going to get another title match probably unless someone beats. Uh, Aldis. So, I mean, they kind of set his character up to do other stuff, which makes sense within their roster. Because um, the roster is a little small. I mean, it's got it's got some big, some good names on there, but it is a little small. So you can kind of move storm around to chase uh, chase after the title and try to build up a reason why he should um, have a title match later on with whoever will eventually dethrone Aldis, which I think is probably going to go a while.
0: Yep, I completely agree. Um, I think I just screwed all that up, actually. What the hell? No, no, I just keep on getting their names mixed up because they're so similar. Between Tim Storm and... Anyways, uh, James Storm. God, I, I thought I was like, did I just say, was I just talking about James Storm? Because I'm looking at my notes and there's two storms followed by each other. And I'm like, no, 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 I didn't screw up. And for some reason, I just called myself out on <laughs> air for no reason. Uh, no, yeah, you had, they, that, you had that first They that should perfect. be the Storm you Brothers.
1: <laughs> you cowboy, the new beer money. Except they have hey, no down. money. So, like, <laughs> what would Tim Storm fall under? What can we do? Beer plus Tim Storm? <laughs>
0: Uh, old old beer? Old, old Milwaukee?
1: <laughs> we don't need the Beer City Bruiser mad <laughs> at us. He's a friend of the show. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's a good point. Oh, Lord. Alright, so Josephus, I think it's Josephus. Uh, he came out and said he wanted to fight Storm. Josephus looked like, I don't know, if I had like a drunken uncle from the South that was very, very angry. Um, just hairy and, and curly-haired and just Anyways, uh, he I liked his interaction with Cornette. Cornette was like trying; it was just pulling a lot of stuff while he tried to grab his like collar and stuff like that. Um, and then Tim Storm finally comes out, uh, and uh, James Storm said that, you know, he's gonna he's gonna beat his ass basically. And both men start brawling. Uh, refs try to pull them apart, and then we have the uh, tag team. Uh, championship match, the wild cards, which is Thomas Latimer and Royce Isaacs going against Danny White and the Mims in a non-title match. Um, And ultimately they won. It was pretty good back and forth tag match, you know, not, not too bad at all. I thought it made all the guys look good, but still made the champions look like they're on top, which is exactly what you want from here. Um, It would end up with, you know, everyone brawling basically for this first part James Storm included going back and forth with uh, Joseph. God, that name is gonna fucking piss me off. Josephus, and you know before it went to break. So we had a lot of mayhem and carnage, Chris. Within before this tag match and after this tag match. What did you think about the tag match itself? And you know James Storm saying, "Hey man, fuck you. I'm gonna whoop your ass if you do this today." I don't even know if that was really (laughs) what he was going for. But, uh, you know, I love James Storm. I thought it was a fun tag
1: match. I mean, it wasn't anything that was absolutely amazing. It's not like a a match we're going to talk about a little later with the Young Bucks and uh, Private Party. But it was a very good, solid tag match that fit well on the show. Um, I absolutely love James Storm. have always been a huge fan of him. Why they brought Bobby Roode over and not James Storm and just made them tag again, I have absolutely no idea in WWE. Because I think they're both phenomenal. Um, what, I think, j- j- I think the Josephus uh, Jose, Jose, is supposed to be like Bocephus. Um, but I, even I have a hard time saying it like, you know, like Hank, uh, Williams Jr.'s name, is the Christ. nickname. Yeah. <laughs> so I also have a hard time with that name. Um, but yeah, I, overall I like the segment a lot and I thought it was a, uh, a good build up towards the end of the show and gives you things to look forward to, which is always you know having a show actually go in a direction instead of just like it's gonna be all wrestling or um, storylines that don't go anywhere is very pleasant. So I actually enjoyed this a lot,
0: yeah, and then the match would be basically storm, just nailing a super kick, winning in ten seconds, giving. Josephic kiss or whatever the fuck another super kick and then taking his thumb and putting it in his mouth and that was about it Uh, another hype video happened for Aldis and Tim Storm and just gave really Tim's stake in the whole entire concept that he has to win that's his whole entire thing going into this that this is the last chance he'll get for the title if he doesn't and just hyping up the match and then we had an awesome match uh, between uh, Nick Aldis and Tim Storm Tim Storm man for his age he looks in great shape. You know, he's got a full-time job outside of wrestling, but he still really, really is passionate about it. He obviously didn't win, but this is a really good back-and-forth match and just showed you Nick Aldis of why he's champion if you are watching and tuning in for the first episode of NWA Power. Um, Aldis got a promo after the match saying he was proud to wrestle Storm, uh, and Gali asked Aldis if Camille was okay because she got kind of roughed up in the match, but Aldis told him, Uh, told him off for even bringing it up, indicating that he's still a little bit of heel. Uh, And that was pretty much it for the uh, first episode and the introduction of NWA Power. Chris, uh, how'd you feel about that last match?
1: I thought the last match was absolutely phenomenal. Um, One of my favorite matches of the week, actually, and and there was some good stuff on, for sure. But I really, really dug that match. And uh, I liked Aldis... Not letting the uh, the commentator talk to his or to his manager, basically, it, it reminded me very much of like Macho Man with Elizabeth. Um, so I kind of drew that comparison a little bit. I
0: don't know. Did don't you feel you the same worry, way? As far as you... No. Don't you worry, Gene. Don't you worry, Gene. What's going on with Liz? Yep, I did. <laughs> I definitely can see that. Um, yeah, man. Definitely saw that. Definitely liked the whole entire thing. Definitely will be checking it out. Again, definitely. Uh, But let's go over. uh, There was, unfortunately, uh, two injuries to talk about this week uh, with wrestlers. Uh, Sasha Banks, we we know now more about her injury. It's actually not a direct, like, back injury like we thought. It's actually more so a tailbone injury that she suffered. Um, So they're saying that she should be not too long. But I think the biggest one is – Kushida is out of action after his match at Walter with a wrist injury. Uh, we'll go over the match, which was awesome, on NXT in a, in a couple uh, minutes, but just wanted to give you guys a little bit of uh, knowledge on that. It looks like Bray Wyatt made a full recovery, and he is fine. His was much more minor, but uh, these are the two big ones uh, this week with Sasha going to be out for a little while, and Kushida. His wrist now is in a fucking cast. so uh, that was reported. Chris, uh, any, any word on this?
1: So I hadn't heard anything about the Kushida injury. It seems like the Sasha Banks injury might not be as bad as what we were thinking on Wednesday, simply because it looks like she's going to be at least books for uh, Crown Jewel or the Saudi Arabia show, Family Jewels. Um, (laughs) uh, So that means it's not as bad as I thought it was. Uh, Kushida being injured, if it's just a cast, it could be part of the gimmick to have him have a rematch with Walter and kind of have like a striking advantage. Yeah. But that's also kind of a heel move. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe the injury is legit, but I haven't personally heard anything on it.
0: Well, we'll have to stay tuned for that and we'll give you guys updates uh, on our later shows when we know more information. Uh, But for now, let's get into this. Uh, So we started off, I guess, let's start off with, let's do AW. Um, so that we can get told that we don't like NXT for starting with AEW first, whatever. Anyways, uh, we had a tag match that started off the, uh, the, the show, uh, show looked really good. Still love the set. I love the whole look of the show. Production was great. It looked like they moved, which was an ass cam on the friggin' turnbuckle that we were talking about onto the top turnbuckle. So I think it's much more effective there unless they have both and they just use the one for the top turnbuckle more. Um, but I like the production overall. I think that they're getting a lot of kinks out. I think that the the uh, the announced team is getting a really good rhythm. We started off with, like I said, part of the uh, championship tournament and private party was going against the Young Bucks. I think most of us thought that the Young Bucks were going to win, um, and this kind of shows the way that they're positioning themselves because they know that obviously they're in charge of this. That they're trying to take themselves out of the picture at least as of right now, because the Young Bucks, I would say, lost the private party in in a uh, a shock uh, to the audience. But it definitely helped private party get over. Um, One thing I'm going to say that's probably not going to be the most uh, – my my main criticism with this match, I know a lot of people are not going to agree with me. I'm getting sick, and uh, Seth Rollins does this way too fucking much. I'm getting sick of spots where it's – do some type of spear, then go back in the ring, do it again, then go back in the ring, do it again. I, I don't remember which member of private party it was. Um, I I want to say it was Mark Quinn, uh, the one with the cool uh, blonde uh, thing on his, on his head. He looks like a Street Fighter character, basically.
2: But he did,
0: I think he did a spear, then he did an over-the-rope crossbody, and then he did another flip on the other side. It was cool because both guys are on both sides, but just kind of, to me, just – I don't know. I don't know if I'm just trying a Jim Cornette, Chris, but I kind of roll my eyes after, uh, about, or uh, not after, but about stuff like that sometimes. Uh, well, how did you like this match, and were you surprised that Private Party were the ones to move on in the tag tournament?
1: I was very surprised, but I think that kind of made the match better than it actually was. I thought the match itself was really good. Uh, it's not obviously not the best Young Bucks match, but um, they're doing a really good job of building private party. It kind of made me invested in this tag tournament a little more, knowing, um, excuse me, knowing that the Young Bucks are already out of it, because you're like, who's going to fill that slot? And it also makes sense with what they're going to set up later on um, with the elite versus uh, a new faction. So from that standpoint, I actually really really liked the match. It, I think this was most people's maybe match of the week. It's probably my second favorite just because Kushida and Walter was so fucking great, which we'll talk about later. Uh, But yeah, I thought it was a really great match and a great way to start off um, the second episode of AEW Dynamite.
0: I would have to think about it, but if you go an overall week between all shows, this definitely, this might crack my top five, but I'm not sure, but it was a damn good tag match for sure. Um, After Chris Jericho came out, he cut a promo. My God, dude, if you give Chris a mic and just let him fucking do his thing, the the stuff this man can do is ridiculous. Uh, So he had Sammy Guevara, he had Jake Hagar, and he had both Santino and Ortiz out there. Uh, And he was just, you know, going into the whole rumor if they were, you know, some type of faction. He said they were. Their name was the inner circle. I love that he used a reference to the list, but instead of it being a negative thing like it was, you know, with people that he didn't like, all these guys made his list. So he got to change it up, flip it and throw it. Um, just him describing each person, even to Sammy Guevara, how he's like a, a sexy uh, teen idol or whatever the hell he said, just funny shit, building up each guy, making him look, uh, you know, just better than they really, you know, they're all great, but like better than a lot of the viewers know them as. And I love it when he got to Jake Hagar, how he was just staring like a monster, like like the Terminator. And, you know, Chris is trying to put him over like he's done the other guys, and everyone starts cheer, chanting, we the people. And Chris just takes that and says, no, 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 We the people, uh, you know, is dead and buried. It was from terrible creative. And basically everyone, you know, starts cheering for that because all of them want to put WWE on a, on a pike and burn that um burn it down if you will uh and uh yeah i thought it was a really good way to get rid of that uh he put over jake and just the whole thing he cut into the rose family and just said that he thought that dusty was a jerk and that dustin was a moron and he's gonna kick the shit and you could tell that he loves saying the s word out of cody and i thought this was a great uh promo from jericho and, you know, just kind of sets the bar a bit with all these guys throughout platforms. You have the NWA with a bunch of great people on the mic. You got, uh, you know, Velveteen Dream over in NXT and Adam Cole. And you got uh, over in AW besides him, obviously MJF. And just there's so many good promos out there that Chris was just showing why he's one of the best. I could tell that was sort of rehearsed from himself, but nothing like how he would have to be handled in WWE. And he just went over there, put over his team, got them over, fucking cut into any of the bullshit, and took control. Uh, he came off like a baby face and a heel all at the same time and uh, introduced his faction. I thought it was fucking awesome. Chris, what would you think?
1: I fucking love this promo. I think it's the best promo I've heard probably at least this year. Um, I think he did a great job introducing who his group was, even the Sammy Guevara <laughs> calling what the hottest Latino man or the sexiest Latino man or whatever. There's some great lines in this promo shutting down the Jack Hagar chance. Um, I think most of this, it seems like most of this, he kind of scripted out that line to me, seems like he knew the chance were going to come. So he had a general idea of what he was going to say, but a lot of it really felt natural and off the cuff. So it's not like, even if he, I know he didn't just go out here and just cut this promo with no thought behind it at all. Um, but it's better that Jericho is writing his own shit versus, like, scriptwriters. Uh, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a great promo. Uh, and I'm really excited to see what they do with the inner circle because I think that's a, a cool group of guys. The only thing that was a little bit weird was uh, – I'm trying to remember the, the guy from LAX and his tongue gimmick, which I think you pointed out. I think he was being a little too over the top. <laughs> it's a little too over the top with
0: that. Yeah, man, the the second time I watched the show, because I watched it twice, I noticed not only he had a little bit of an obsession with his tongue, but so does Sammy Guevara. He likes to stick that thing out too much. It was a little bit distracting. But, hey, maybe they be, can be called the Tongue Brothers or some shit eventually in this uh, company. I don't know. Let's move on to the number one contender match. We had Darby Allen, uh going against Jimmy Havoc, and thank God the Jarrinder didn't win. I'm sorry. I just don't – look. Oh, God. I just visually – his his presentation when it comes to the entrance, his his outfit, like this Hannibal Lecter style shit, uh, mixed with uh, the music that's very Marilyn Manson-esque, I like, I dig. It's just he doesn't visually, in MLW, in this, um, in ICW, I just, I, I just don't get it. I mean, I'm a big fan, and I've talked about him a lot uh, over at TNT Wrestling in Britain of Mikey Whiplash, which is one of his friends. And they had a bunch of awesome, like, hardcore battles with those weird little fucking stick things that they in in some promotions they stick in your back and you have a million barbs hanging off of you and shit. They did weird stuff like that. But I just I I'm sorry, Chris. I just don't get Jimmy Havoc. I was so happy that, that uh Darby Allen uh won. He finally nailed the coffin drop after six thousand times of trying it so far. And uh, he's going against Chris Jericho, and uh, I'm looking forward to that match. I really continue to like Darby Allen, and continue just not to be so big on uh, Jimmy Havoc. I apologize if anyone's a fan of him. Just give me hate mail at my Twitter account. But uh, Chris, what do you think?
1: Well, I tend to agree with you on uh, Jimmy Havoc. I do actually like him. I don't think they've done a good job of putting him over. Uh, thus far in AW, he's pretty much lost every match he's been in, and they haven't really given him any of his signature spots. But they kind of have two, two or three guys that already fill that brawler role. Um, when you look at like Darby Allen, uh, John Moxley, and then Joey Janela. Joey
0: Janela. So yep.
1: yeah, So it's going to be a little hard for him to, to me, to set himself apart, especially when they've done such a great job uh, with, with at least uh, Moxley and uh, Darby Allen. So I think that's going to hurt him more than anything.
0: Yeah, maybe after a while I'll get used to it. I wish that he would put a little bit of muscle on him. I'm not going to – I have to be that Matt Morgan type concept, but I kind of agree with a lot of criticism based on that. He looks like a fucking – like I don't know, like a, someone that <laughs> got, aboard a sh- got aboard a fish boating ship and uh, you know, was a stowaway or some shit. I don't know what the fuck. Or a Detroit. I Canada, mean, I mean,
1: like I, Dur- I mean, Derby Allen's not the biggest guy in the world either.
0: But he's cut. He's he looks athletic. He looks, you know, like based on his size that he's supposed to be there. To me, Jimmy kind of looks, you know, doughy and but skinny at the same time. Yeah,
1: I guess I, my problem is not necessarily his look, more so than they haven't done anything to make
0: me care about him. Yeah, I think it's a combination of both for me. But like I said, I mean, obviously I'm I'm 250, so I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just talking about the look of a wrestler. He just doesn't have the look quite to me. He looks intimidating and tense, and then he takes off that entrance off. And I'm like, hey, what's up, man? You work at a bowling alley. I'm really burying J- Jimmy Havoc. I don't dislike him as much as I sound. I just, oh, uh, God. Should I move on? I'm going to get the Jimmy Havoc fans killing me. All right, I'll just move Yeah, on. I would
1: I I would move on. Sorry, I was on mute there.
0: No, you're good. All right, so we have Rio and uh Britt Baker going against uh Emi Sakura and uh B Priestley. I They need have put a little bit more into to Britt Baker to me. I they tried to give her mic time the week before, she kind of didn't really take advantage of it. Um so I feel like her and B's um their their rivalry hasn't been able to I don't know. All it takes is put her in a title match, which is what they're doing against Rio. Priestley comes over, screws her over, and then they put them in a program together where eventually Britt gets something. But as of right now, we just know her as an ex-dentist, or not an ex-dentist. She's a current dentist and also a wrestler. Uh, I like that she did the mandible claw. I thought that was cool. I like that JR kind of took a shot at the WWE and said, finally, a mandible claw that's applied right. I He's doing what he's got to do. That doesn't bother me at all. We all know Bray Wyatt's good at the mandible claw. It's just fucking. That's that's show business, basically. So.
1: It. I mean, uh, it's hard also, to be bad at the. It, it's hard to be bad at the mandible claw. You're just shoving your fingers in someone's mouth. Like. Yeah.
0: Exactly. I don't. Exactly. I don't
1: know that there's an improper way to apply the mandible claw. Um, Stone Cold could probably tell us more about the proper way to apply said move.
2: Man, you
0: just got to understand. You got tuck your chin and you got to realize the level of which the chin hits your shoulder is what incapacitates you on the way down, Kevin. Um, yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I also like that they have this thing where they're, they're talking about the fact that Riho was trained by Emmy. Um, I think that that's good. Um, yeah, and then we had uh, the best friends. They were interviewed uh, about the tournament next week going against SCU. And they basically alluded to, they kind of did this, and, and Chris, I don't, I don't know if it's a dig, but, you know, I was thinking about it. On, on our Facebook page, I was suggesting wrestlers because I like, I've always kind of been attracted to the Supernatural-style characters, like a lot of people within wrestling, and, and I thought that they could use something. But I realized watching the second time, were they kind of like, uh, not taking shots, but also making it fun of the whole, like, lights on, lights off, uh, you know, Horror character, whether it be the Undertaker or the Fiend or whatnot, because they did it with uh, right now with Orange Cassidy, and then they did it later on with uh, what you going call it, um, uh, Cody, right before he came into the big brawl at the end. Uh, is there is there anything about that? Like, is this about the Fiend?
1: I honestly don't know because Orange Cassidy is kind of a weird character who doesn't care, but like, but I his whole character is Dark he doesn't Order. care. Yeah. So. When they did it with Orange Cassidy, I thought maybe it was a little bit of a shot, but then they did it with Cody as well, like you said. So it just came off kind of weird. I guess with Orange Cassidy, to me, it fits the character for him doing something like that and just nonchalantly showing up in the ring because they also did that at the pay-per-view um, where he kind of just popped out out of nowhere and then did the that, that suicide dive with his hands in his pockets. So I just thought maybe that was something they were doing with his character um, but it was weird with Cody. So I don't actually, I don't, I don't know if it was necessarily a dig. I mean, I, it, with Cody, it could have just been a production problem. Um, with Orange Cassidy, I think that might be something they're just doing with his character to kind of give him one other thing besides just not giving a shit, which is, it's still like, how did he, I don't know how he got this gimmick over where he barely has to wrestle, but good on him because it is fucking kind of him, amazing.
0: Man. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I think it's pretty funny. Um, I actually liked it with Cody too, uh, later on. You know, I I've said this a lot with his baby face work kind of reminded me a little bit of sting. Uh, I know that he's hugely influenced by sting and I think a lot of the way he feeds off the crowd and some of the intensity he brings uh, reminds me uh, of similar. So with the lights down lights up, it was weird for Cody, but I was kind of like, okay, I'm down for that. But just noticing they did that with him and they did that with orange Cassidy. I was just like, okay, maybe it's like, haha, ha, The Fiend, we get it. You turn on the lights, turn off the lights. You're The Undertaker. But, you know, whatever. I, I understand stuff like that. Subtle things between shows, little shots and jabs are going to happen, but I don't think it's anything to look too much into because I saw people were kind of, you know, being being themselves. On, on, I mean, on if, if they
1: would have had dust come out with – if they would have had Goldust come out with that red fucking filter that they did for the Fiend Hell in a Cell match, then oh, I would have been like, that's yeah. That's a direct fucking dig or something. But just like, you know, all wrestling promotions use that lights out lights on like you just gave with Sting. Like, that's a great example. So I don't necessarily I just I don't know what they were trying to do with it with Cody and I'm completely fine with it. I thought that's actually a good example of kind of where he's at in the company with your Sting comparison, by the way. Um, but yeah, I don't necessarily know that it was a dig. Uh, it's probably just a a choice that they made. Like, that just seems like a very small thing. If you're going to take a dig at WWE, it seems like you would do something, like I said, like, I don't know, tint the entire ring red or something ridiculous like that. Like, you want to point out, like, did you see that Hell in a Cell match? It was pretty terrible. Or have someone carry out a giant fucking hammer. Like, there's way other ways to take a dig (laughs) if you were going that route. (laughs) Have one guy with a big mallet and one guy with a little mallet and call them the Hammer Brothers or some shit. Like, (laughs) there's tons of stuff you could do to make fun of Hell in a Cell.
0: The new, the new order, or whatever the hell, or not the new order, the, the dark order. They kind of look like Mario villains, so they could just have hammers. That'd be kind of fun, I guess. Uh, <laughs> God dang it!
2: Uh, so do you think right, they well,
1: did they kill? So do you think they've killed that gimmick? Because I didn't, I didn't remember seeing them on AEW Dark. I guess they're in this tag tournament. Did I miss that match yeah. or miss them?
0: No, they got to buy, so we're we're waiting for the other... Uh, I think there's one more tag match in the tournament to get down to the uh, the quarterfinals, I believe. So we'll get them back, yeah. but uh, I'm hoping they're reshaping them, man. If you want them to be these scary concepts, make them look fucking scary. Give me a reason to dislike... they got to do a lot to them, so I know that even if it all comes yeah. down to even if the four really like someone like the Young Bucks, Kenny, and, and Cody, it comes down to Tony, so Tony's going to fucking suggest and change stuff because he's the owner of it, I feel. so. I feel like those guys need to be repackaged. They look ridiculous. They look like Mario characters like I said.
1: I wish that they could get Sinister Minister as a manager to help put them over or something. Oh yeah, James Mitchell? Yeah, like they need something. Um, It's too bad PCO is signed because to have him be like their enforcer with the minions, they just need something else to me. Like, you can't just be that two dudes be that awesome. have, like, guys in, guys in robes. Um, so hopefully they're fleshing that out and doing something interesting with them. Uh, James Ellering would also be great. I thought he did a really good job with uh, Arthur's of Pain, maybe something like that. To me, they need a manager or someone that can kind of help tell what the hell their characters are. Because right now, what we've seen so far is it's just two dudes who have guys in Star Wars robes show up, essentially, with delirious masks.
0: <laughs> they look they look absolutely ridiculous but yeah i i loved all your ideas and I, I really do you know with that post kind of being in mind i really think that AEW could use someone like that like a mil Mortez or a pco or someone just like with a little bit of mystique and 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 you know something different about them some type of uh some type of presence that's intimidating i would love killer cross as well yeah uh, if that were to ever happen I think Killer
1: Cross is a great would be a great choice and I absolutely love PCO so I'd love to see him on a kind of a bigger stage than uh, Ring of Honor. Uh I think they're trying to do more of that with like Darby Allin. Like he is going to be their anti sting-ish character or not necessarily mystical. And I wonder if that goes back to them trying to treat it like an actual sport. You know what I mean? But if you're going to do that like Millortay yeah. is this kind of no mortes would be kind of perfect for that because he can do both um, very effectively. But that being said, I think Darby Allen kind of fits that mold a little bit, like your Alistair Black or whatever, um, just in well, a different way. Not only way. that,
0: the more I think about it, certain people have that darker, that darker, uh, you know, side to them. Hold on one second, Chris. Actually,
2: get out of here,
0: freaking puppies. Just eat all my dog's food, or my cat's food. Sorry about that, guys. So what uh, So what you're saying anyway. is, too many puppies, too many puppies. No, <laughs> t- no kidding. Totally screwed up my, my, my thought process. But uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Mil Mortez. Uh, Darby Allen also is someone, like you said, kind of has mystique to him. He's, you can tell, he's said it a million times, but Jeff Hardy was one of his favorite wrestlers, and the whole reckless abandon you know, that that weird side. He goes a little more darker, obviously more of the Brother Nero, I guess, esque or no no, Willow Wisp esque uh, Jeff Hardy, but uh he definitely has something like that with him. FacePay can do that for you, honestly. And uh Killer Cross would be awesome. Um, all those they, they they have a lot of options and there's gonna be a lot of free agents uh soon that kind of embody that style. So it will be interesting to see if they can mix in with uh with AEW, I was about
1: to say WCW. <laughs> I, I want, I, I want them to get another Luchasaurus. I don't know how you do this, but I want like a dark Luchasaurus. I know that's super like '80s AAA or something, but wouldn't it be great to have like, like a. Tyrannosaurus or something like <laughs> Lucha Tyrannosaurus or like a weird feud between another I mean you could use a well-known athlete but it like Mil Morte's for instance with a uh, another like a dinosaur mask on or something speaking of like weird yeah. things you could do I think there's some cool shit you could do around that uh, if you get like a good Lucha and then put like a dino mask on him and you have dino versus dino
2: <laughs> I, I, I love
1: I love I love those Godzilla films. Leave me alone.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I, I don't disagree with you, though. There's definitely uh, ways to get to it. I forgot uh, the wrestler that was... Uh, uh, God dang it. Like the King character on Lucha Underground. That's that's an uh, Olympic oh, wrestler that's the, in New Japan. The lizard. Um,
1: the lizard. What is it? Uh,
0: God, this is going to kill
1: me now. I'm going to have to Google it real quick. So continue. <laughs> well...
0: All right, let, let, let's move on so we can kind of uh, wrap this up. We have a, two more matches. John Moxley went against Sean Spears. Uh, Pock Poc set on uh, Camon, commentary. Really good in commentary. Obviously, he knows that he needs to spend this time to kind of, like, get himself over, get, you know, his position over. He was very angry about the fact that he hadn't been chosen for a title match yet, and Darby had an option to be able to get in that position based on their win-loss record. So they're still making that a point which is good. And, uh, yeah, uh, after, you know, a match between Moxley and um, a and pretty good match, too. I don't know what the hell this is doing for Sean Spears, but that's okay. Um, but John Moxley would get the pin over Sean Spears. One thing that bothered the hell out of me with this match and something that's been bothering me with AEW last week with John Moxley taking out Kenny in his match uh, that JR seems actually annoyed by uh, on commentary is the fact that people are blatantly doing stuff right in front of the fucking referee that should end up the match being a no or in a DQ, and somehow that doesn't happen. Tully Blanchard got involved very physically right in front of the ref uh, at least two or three times. So that's that's my biggest gripe, at, at least uh, when it comes to this match. But everything else is fine. I don't know, like I said, what it does for Sean Spears. I feel like even Tully's eventually going to drop him or something within it. Uh, the para- paradigm uh, shift was applied, the double under, uh, you know, the, the... – anyways, it's, it's got a million fucking names, and uh, Sean Spears was taken out. Afterwards, Kenny Omega came out. He had a barbed wire baseball bat and a barbed wire broom. He kept the broom, tossed the other one to John Moxley uh, because he's the cleaner, obviously. Uh, they were about to go at it, but Pac came around and started beating shit out of Kenny with a chair and Moxley walked out. Uh, how did you like this match and the setup afterwards? I actually got a kick out of the heart, the, uh, the barbed wire broom from Kenny.
1: So the, the the my only problem with Kenny being here in the spot, I, I did get a kick out of the barbed wire broom, and I like he's teasing the cleaner character. Um, it's almost like he's doing Cactus Jack with the cleaner character, which is not like a hardcore character in New Japan either. So it's a little weird. And also, like he was supposed to be turning heel, and um, he didn't come out. Did, he didn't come out in that last segment with to help out his friends, right?
0: No, I don't believe um,
1: so. Yeah, and, and the other weird part is we're getting like a 25 minute AEW dark match that's a, like a hardcore match with him and Joey Janella. So if you put it together in your mind on the same show, it, it's a weird sequence of events. Um, but yeah, as far as like just visually and what it was and the broom was really funny and, and obviously the barbed wire bat, to uh, Moxley is a shout out to Cactus Jack, uh, giving him the barbed wire back or Mick fully giving him the barbed wire bat, uh, heading into his match with Brock Lesnar. Uh, if you guys remember yep. that, that was a while back. Um, so I actually enjoyed that. And I also liked that Moxley's not really a healer or babyface right now. He just, he wasn't going to attack, uh, Kenny Omega while he was down. He wants to fight him face-to-face, which I really appreciated. So the storyline piece of that I thought was great. I actually liked the match a lot, too. Um, it's good to see Moxley back. I thought it was going to take him a little bit longer with the MRSA um, diagnosis he got, but it's it's really good to see him back, and I think he's had uh, two strong appearances on AEW, and I'm um, really looking forward to him and Kenny finally getting to, to tangle up, for sure.
0: Hey, so uh, am I just overreacting, or the last two shows, a uh, little bit of the blatant, um, you know, stuff in front of the ref, has that bothered you at all, too?
1: No, it definitely does. Um, I mean, I think we talked about it like last week, right, where I just didn't understand how the fuck it wasn't a DQ, uh, with Moxley just showing up and killing Kenny Omega in front of the ref with that three-way tag match, and I I, I kind of shit all over that match because of that, even though the actual match itself was good. Um, a little bit similar here, not as bad, but I felt like John Moxley just beat the shit out of Kenny Omega in front of that ref for like a year uh, yeah. a week before. I hate that in general, and it's not just AEW, it's WWE. It's, it's anyone oh, that yeah. does that without telling me that it's not a no-DQ match. If you want to do that spot, just tell me it's a no-DQ match, even if you don't do anything that deserves disqualification afterwards. But all you have to be like is, uh, it's a grudge match, no DQ. And that doesn't mean that everyone has to put everyone through tables and shit just because it's a no DQ match. Just say there's no disqualifications or say it's unsanctioned. I I feel like there's ways around that. Um, Also, you could just have the ref take a bump. Like, I feel like wrestling companies have forgotten the ref can just get hit by someone and be incapacitated. That seems to be a a thing no one does anymore. If AEW is going to keep doing these spots, then the ref should be taking
0: bumps. I agree. All right, the last match had Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara going against Dustin Rhodes and Hangman Adam Page. Um, if you watch being the or being the elite, uh, you know the kind of the they're showing they're doing a good job showing Hangman Hangman Adam Page uh, and his where he is with his psyche right now because of all this. Uh, had an interaction with Dustin Rhodes specifically about this match. The only problem is not everyone is watching Being the Elite, so. If that's your way to help Hangman Adam Page's character, I think it's a bit ineffective, in my opinion. It's a good tag match. Dustin Rhodes, my God. I mean, I love Chris Jericho, but Dustin is older than him, and he's defying time. Uh, he's got one of the best, uh, you know, power slams, the one off the, the ropes that he does, in the business still, doing stuff all the way to the outside, brawling, really, really good stuff, uh, Basically Jericho pin roads uh, with the juice effect after interference from Jack Hagar um, and Hagar and Page start brawling all the way to the back, leaving Jericho and Guevara to go just against Dustin. Um, and right afterwards we had Cody making the, sh- the save, like we said, with the blackout of the lights coming on uh, and was attacked by both Santana and Ortiz. MJF showed up with a steel chair and T's kind of a heel turn, Chris, but attacked the inner circle Jericho then knocked out MJF, and the Young Bucks had to make the save. Came in, did their thing, took out LAX, so it looks like they're positioning them against them, which is awesome because they'll have some fucking great matches. Uh, Jericho tried to leave with the AEW Championship over his head, but Darby Allen on a skateboard came down the ramp and attacked him. Faces stood tall at the end of it, and at the end of the night, Chris Jericho grabbed the mic, telling Allen that next week will be his funeral. Awesome, awesome way to end the night. I like these brawls, very WCW Nitro and WWE Raw uh, centric, where the good guys, bad guys, everyone brawls, and there's always there's reasoning behind it. I hate random ones that are stupid, uh, but this was great. Uh, Chris, how did you feel about the ending of AEW Dynamite Week Two?
1: I I thought it was great. I'm not necessarily a big fan of the brawls back-to-back weeks but with
0: this one because
1: they set up a new faction i didn't have a huge problem with it and also they were able to set up a really good match between darby allen and jericho and if you guys haven't seen it jericho's promo on twitter uh for this darby allen match is a- absolutely phenomenal uh he's from the the mean streets of winnipeg uh you're la champion uh but, champion. yeah la champion. Uh it was. I actually really liked it a lot. Um, the MJF thing was maybe besides Darby Allen uh, skateboarding down and attacking Jericho to set up their match next week. The MJF thing is the most intriguing part of that brawl to me. A- and I I even think one of the announcers said whose side is he on, referencing Bobby Heenan uh, with Hogan in NWA or NWO. God. I've done that twice, but opposite. Uh, If you remember when Hogan first turned heel, Bobby Heenan basically spoiled it for everybody by being like, whose side is he on? Well, they kind of did that with MJF, but it made more sense here. Um, Yeah. And I like that he he basically used it to have an advantage over the heels, uh, which was very smart. So it makes MJF look very intelligent, which kind of plays into his character a little bit. So I'm excited to see where they go with that storyline.
2: Who is
0: a bigger baby face right now in wrestling? MJF or Seth Rollins? Who's
2: a bigger heel? I should
1: say. Roman Reigns. Uh, (laughs) Nah, MJF by far. I think he's mass loved. Right. Um, (laughs) And he's not really a heel. He's just.
0: He's just cocky. So great.
1: Yeah, I mean, because Cody is awesome. Cody is like the biggest baby face. In the American wrestling industry right now, right? Yep. I mean, I can't think of anyone bigger. Um, people just love that guy. I, I think they just directly associate with him, him with anything that's alternate uh, WWE. So he's getting a babyface kind of push off that. And, and like you said, uh, with the Sting comparison, he is kind of the Sting because when you think of WCW during like the early '90s before like Hogan, Nash, and Hall showed up. It was Sting, so <laughs> he's the alternate programming oh. almost.
0: Oh, and speaking about that, it's kind of like what I was I was talking about with the uh, before the puppies interrupted me. It seems like certain people have darker sides to them. It's like everyone has like their own demon, if you will. Uh, between Cody has a darker spot he can go to. He wouldn't go to Stardust, but he has that concept too. And then you have Chris Jericho. He's going to be the pain maker in his match against Darby Allin for Extreme Rules, using that as his, like, ultimate extreme entity. And Pentagon, if you watch the Underground, he became Pentagon Dark. So maybe they can still do that with certain wrestlers, keeping the Halloween theme still in place.
1: Yeah, I I think they definitely can. Um, If if you were going to do it with Cody, I would say he becomes the American Nightmare, and maybe you do a different take on that. You could do something use similar gimmick. to
0: Dustin's makeup, you know, if, if 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 he were to, like, do that with the red and black. Maybe Dustin gets taken out, and he takes over his look and calls himself the American Nightmare. That would be awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was kind of his gimmick in ROH, and New Japan for a while was the American Nightmare. But I think they could add a little bit more to it down the line, um, especially if uh, Jericho is going to continuously say things about Dusty Rhodes and be the pain maker. Yeah. Maybe you get the American Nightmare versus uh, – versus Painmaker, which could be really cool. And and I'm sure they've already thought of this, because so far they have done a pretty fucking good job booking these angles around the elite and uh, the inner circle.
0: Yeah, man. All right, well, let's uh, move over to NXT. We had an awesome show. Once again, I think there was awesome wrestling across the board. Um, And I think that this has been the second time said. We'll talk about the ratings afterwards, too, because both shows were down. Um, obviously uh, AEW was still winning but that's going to happen uh, we'll talk about that after this but uh, you had I think the the better production and the better storytelling on AEW and the better in ring work on NXT consistently throughout the show so um, I think they can even that out I think they should try to you know I think NXT needs to get some more storyline driven stuff involved in that because that's what NXT used to be known for not just non-stop action which I like don't get me wrong, but started off with a banger, Chris, uh, the Cruiserweight Championship match, uh, Leo Rush going against Drew Gulak. Drew's held it down for a while, and I thought it made a lot of sense to give it to Leo. I like seeing his uh, journey. There was a comment um, that Morrow uh, had, who suffered or suffers still actually from major bi- bipolar disorder, I'm uh, talking about Leo's struggles and how he's kind of had a turnaround and trying to change up those things because it was National uh, Mental Health Awareness Day a couple days ago. Uh, I think it was on Wednesday, so that would have made a lot of sense. But Leo just looked awesome in this match. Drew Gulak kept on looking like he was going to get the submissions down on him, and, uh, you know, uh, he hit him with the final hour. He first hit him with a splash, uh, and then um, he did a splash on him, and then he did something else to to put him down again, and then went up there and did, like, a beautiful – Five Star Frog Splash, more so from RVD, where it looks like the impact is ridiculous, and was a little bit of a tribute uh, to Eddie Guerrero, um, which was kind of cool. After the match, William yeah, presented the belt to Rush, and uh, so, is the new NXT Cruiserweight Champion going forward. How would you feel about this match, Korea?
1: So I do want to think that that was a tribute to Eddie Guerrero because I believe his birthday was Wednesday. So happy belated Mario birthday, Ronaldo Eddie says, Guerrero! I
0: believe. Happy birthday, Eddie. Okay. We miss you. Um,
1: Yes, definitely miss Eddie. Um, I thought this match was great when Leo Rush was doing his spots, and then they kind of slowed it down in the middle way more than I liked. Um, I thought the storytelling was pretty good. I'm not a huge fan of, of Renalo on commentary in general, as I've talked about previously. I feel like he just turns everything up to 12 all the time so that when you have a big move, it doesn't mean as much. Um, I kind of wish he would dial it back a little bit more, uh, And I'm probably going to get a lot of shit for this. I just, I, I know a lot of people really, really love him. I just, he's not my favorite commentary by, like, commentator by far um, out of all these shows. But outside of that, like, I like the match quite a bit. I just wanted to put that out there just because I'm going to talk about it a lot later in the Kushida-Walter match where he was just spazzing out the entire match.
0: I completely get it, man. I mean, I've, I've been listening to old tapes uh, with pride, fucking... I, I think I've gotten used to him. He is a little bit intense sometimes, and I, I realize that there's some people that really like him, and I think I'm one of those where I'm kind of used to it, and I, 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 I laugh and giggle at the uh, the pop references. And then there's some people that, that, that don't, and I, I completely get it. His cadence can come off a, a bit annoying. Uh, sometimes his intensity, for the most part, is him just acting. I mean, they've shown spots a lot in his uh, documentary bipolar rock and roll of the camera behind him and how he reacts he doesn't want to know any of the information and that's kind of him just doing that performance but he does tend to go a bit um, a bit much uh, unneedingly but I I actually think uh, a little bit fortunately that's just how he is and that's how he's perceiving it I don't think he's trying to go uh, overboard I think that's just how he reacts to the situation maybe
1: yeah, it's it, and I think cadence is the great word. I think it's more of uh, like just how he's attacking every not every situation is scream worthy. Yeah. Um and every every great commentator in wrestling throughout time is going to have a moment where they're like holy shit and then it's a big moment. But Ronaldo treats a chin lock like it's a big moment in a lot of these
2: matches. <laughs> so um
1: I do like yeah, his I, references. I I I I like the way he flows with uh Nigel McGuinness. It's just I it's the cadence and, and the fact that he is just constantly yelling through my TV. It's I'm I'm kinda just over it at this point.
0: Yeah, I think it's similar in concept when it comes to cadence. Like certain people, musician wise, just don't appeal to certain people because of their voice. Like me, I've always said that I really like the cure, but I don't really like Robert Smith's voice. And I know that's not the, the best thing to say, but I'm just being honest. It just that some <laughs> things don't bother people and some things it's like, all right. And I, I can say that his intensity bothers me sometimes because he gets a bit up to intense, but I think that he's just showing his passion and, and letting a little bit too much. But the other two, I think, Chris, I really like – I love Nigel McGinnis. I think he's one of the best commentators in the game. And I think that Beth Phoenix really throws in her two cents uh, well. I think they work well as a dynamic, as a commentating team, though.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on that. And I think that's part of what bothers me with his over-intensity throughout an entire match is he's indirectly overshadowing he everyone people. else on the commentary team. Yeah, he's cutting off people, and he's overshadowing everything else that's happening in commentary, and I easily think Nigel McGinnis is probably one of their best commentators, if not the best, uh, that that's WWE has. And I don't want him to lose his intensity, because that's kind of what makes JR great. Uh, I just want him to dial it back a little bit. It doesn't have to be the entire time a match Tickest is happening. Spots. Yeah.
0: I agree. All right, well, let's go to the next match. We had Rhea Ripley basically in a squash match against Aaliyah. Uh, I feel bad. I always feel bad for Aaliyah whenever we say her name. But uh, she fucking, she just came out there, kicked the shit out of her, gave her the gorilla clutch uh, submission, had her tap, and then she basically grabbed the mic and said, I'm coming for you, Shayna Baszler, and threw the mic down. Uh, She is, I guess, the female Jake Hagar or something. She just comes off just like a monster, and I'm looking forward to her probably taking that belt off of Shayna within the future by keeping that storyline going. How did you feel about that, Chris?
1: I had absolutely no problem uh, with just this just being a straight squash because I think she is the ultimate um, match for Shayna, and I think that's where the title is probably headed. So for me, I love that. What did you call it? The gorilla clutch? Is that what she's calling the move?
0: Yeah, that's what it's listed as.
1: Okay. That's pretty cool. Um, I actually liked it. So people, maybe people who didn't see it, it's, it's kind of an inverted Indian deathlock, but you're using your arms. Standing up. And then standing up. Uh, so legs facing towards your body, her head away. And then she just picks her up and slams her face down and continues the submission. Like it was actually out of the submissions, like out of all of these different moves that we've seen, like the disarmor and some of these different submissions that have came out, this one was really cool and very unique. And it looks super effective, especially with the, um, the slam at the end. And it comes off like a total wrestling move, not just a UFC MMA thing. So I, yeah, I like, I also really love the name gorilla clutch. So I hope that's what she's calling it. <laughs> Cause I think that's a cool ass name. Um, I loved that. I mean, I love this match just because I thought that finish was so cool, with the new submission, and uh, it's going to be really awesome to see her, like, lift Shayna that way um, if that happens. That'll be really cool.
0: Yeah, man. All right, we had probably more of a lull match, I would say, next. Uh, the two of them pretty much, the next two matches, so we'll go over them together. Uh, the Forgotten Sons won against uh, Brazongo. Frazzanga was scheduled to wrestle everize but the Forgotten Sons, mostly uh, their third, uh, just beat the living shit out of everyone. Um, I've got to admit, I'm not too big on the Forgotten Sons. Uh, I think the um, what the hell is it? Sons of Anarchy gimmick. I like um, I like the third member. I can't remember his name right now because they're inconsistent it's about him. Gunner.
1: I, I don't know what they Gunner. actually call him, but it, it, it's Gunner from TNA who was also in Aces of Eights, which is just this kind of gimmick refreshed on NXT, the Sons of Anarchy thing. Like, they've already done this um, in different companies.
0: I forget what he's called, too, but, yeah, Gunner I think, is the best way to go about him. He looks intense, man. They haven't made him unstoppable, though. They've had him lose, so it kind of, like, killed a little bit of his momentum. And I don't think that this kind of played-out gimmick with the the bikers uh, is really helping them at all, honestly. Them being Brazongo does give them a little bit of a head. kind of feel bad for Brazongo. I will say that for people, I've I've seen comments saying that they wish that Tyler Breeze and and Fandango were separated, and I kind of agree with that. But that these guys are just a silly concept, blah, 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 blah. And if any of them are fans of the best friends, but not fans of of Brazango, I kind of don't really get it, because I feel like they're very, very similar in concept and kind of silly. And I, I still like them, but kind of wish that they did keep them separated. Um, maybe that will be still in the future. Who knows? They might be feuding with each other if they keep on having uh, losses. Then we got Cameron Grimes going against Boa. This was pretty much an instant double stomp. They're building up Cameron Grimes. Uh, but, you know, Boa is their only, I think, Chinese professional wrestler, period? Oh, no, no, no. They have that one female wrestler, too. So I would kind of push him because he keeps on getting squashed, and he's a big dude. But anyways, it didn't really matter. Killian Dane showed up and tacked the both of them, and uh, he looked very, very angry. Uh, really, really like Killian Dane. He reminds me a lot of one of his biggest idols, uh, Big Dan Vader. Uh, Chris, what do you think about these two matches?
1: Oh, uh, the first uh, – what was the What was the first match? Real quick, bounce it off my head again. I just forgot it because I was thinking about Killian uh, Dane.
0: Forgotten Son and Brazango.
1: Okay, so Forgotten Sons and Brezango, um my only problem is I don't think the forgotten sons are working. And they pushed them kind of to the moon at this point and they haven't gotten over and maybe it's time to separate Gunner off and let him do his thing because I just don't think it's going to get over at this point. And having Presengo lose to them it's it's whatever. I you know the kind of the shine wore off them. What I would have done bringing Fandango back would have been repackage him completely and gave him his actual legal name. Uh, because I think the guy is a really good athlete with a great look, as I've said multiple times, but they just continuously want to do. I'm just, I'm baffled that NXT wants to do a comedy male stripper gimmick um, on their serious wrestling, wrestling show. One, so uh, the match itself was fine. You know, it was, it, it, it felt more like a Monday Night Raw match than an NXT match. I will say that. Or at least to me. Um, with with some of the interference with Gunner, and then a lot of suicide dives hitting you know multiple people, uh, so I wasn't a huge fan of it. I didn't think it was bad, or the wrestling was bad. It's just I don't know that anyone really cares about either of these tag teams. So they got to rebuild that tag team division uh, pretty quickly, especially with the Street Profits leaving. And I don't know how they're going to do that. That's actually a, a really good question. Um, the the match after that, I thought was which was uh, kill, they, the Killian Dane interference. The only thing I have about Killian Dane is they didn't really give us a resolution between him and Matt Riddle, but he's already attacking other wow. people. So <laughs> it's like they just shifted that storyline altogether. Um, wow. There's no one, by the way, in the draft pool that's from NXT, so whatever we have on the NXT roster is what we have. And the only reason I could think they shifted that storyline is if they were probably going to pull Riddle up, and then they decided they weren't going to do anything with the NXT roster.
2: Because
1: otherwise, great, we never I
2: got... Was
0: wondering the same
1: like, we never got that street fight, because the payoff was everyone was fighting everyone at the same time, and... uh And then AEW, everyone was fighting everyone. (laughs) They both just kind of went off the air like that. But we never got the blow off from uh, Riddle and and Killian Dane, so it was a little. To me, that made the match a little weird um, and clunky. But like all of the wrestling on the show, like if you're just looking at it as how good the matches were and what the wrestling was, all of that was good. My, I guess my problem is more the fat around the edges uh, with NXT thus far.
0: Yeah. No, I I can agree with that for sure. The next match we had was an awesome match. There was three matches on here, basically. The first match, the middle match, and the last match, if you really want to check them out, those were the actual, I I think, the best matches of the night. Um, But we had the NXT North American champion, Roderick Strong, going against Isaiah Swerve Scott, a.k.a. Shane Strickland, uh, in a fucking badass match. Shane Strickland's so innovative off the ropes, some of the stuff that he does, Uh, but... You know, basically, Undisputed Eric came down to the ring after the match to check on Strong, who got the stronghold on, finally, on um, Isaiah Swerve sc- uh, Scott, uh, which is basically the lion's tamer. Um, but they were interrupted all by the Velveteen Dream, who showed a picture of Strong naked with the North American Championship, very close to uh, Shawn Michaels' famous pose on Penthouse cover. Uh, several years before that, and uh, he had the championship belt over his thing, and then he removed the belt and showed a micropenis. Yeah, they went there. Um, I actually thought it was pretty funny. I can see why people probably didn't like this uh, segment. Uh, Dream's going to challenge, uh, the, uh, whatchamacallit, um, strong for the title in two weeks, and then Tomas Ciampa came out telling Goldie that daddy's home once again. Chris, what did you think about the segment and the match between, uh, whatchamacallit, Shane Strickland and uh, Roderick Strong?
1: I I actually really, really enjoyed the match, and I thought it was a great match. I just hate that that's the angle it set up, if that makes sense. Um, And I knew they were going to do something with this belt because I think the day before he started posting that picture online, which is just – it's not even him actually. <laughs> like it's like photoshopped. It's weird. If you go look at it, it's kind of just a terrible photo in general. But I saw that floating around on Twitter, and I was like, Oh, WWE's going to do something with this, or why else would he <laughs> be posting this on posting this on Twitter like randomly? Um, maybe it was an HBK idea. If so, that's kind of fucking hilarious that he's ripping himself. <laughs> but yeah, it was. Uh, that piece of it was weird. I like Velveteen Dream. I look forward to seeing him, you know, going back after that North American title, even though I think that at this point he should be on the main roster. Uh, yeah, outside of that, man, I, I the match was really good, but uh, nothing really, like, stood out massively. That I mean, I think the angle overshadowed the match just because of how dumb it was,
2: unfortunately.
0: Yeah, man, I... Uh, I can agree with that. Um, Next match, Bianca Belair went against Dakota Kai. They had a good back-and-forth match. Bianca would win, and after the match, uh, Belair said that if Rhea Ripley wants to get the Shayna Baszler, she's going to have to go through her first. Uh, Before the main event, we had a couple matches that are announced for next week, Chris. We have Keith Lee and Dominic uh, Dijakovic uh, in the main event. This will be the blow-off match between the two. Pete Dunne will be going against Damian Priest. And Tommaso Ciampa, who was in an interview uh, following uh, the match with Bianca Belair and Dakota Kai, and it got interrupted by Angel Garza, uh, who said that he was better looking and put, put on that whole entire concept he's going for. Tommaso Ciampa just gave him one fucking uh, elbow and knocked him all the way down. So they'll be going against each other. And this is the first uh, match with Tommaso Ciampa since he's come back. How would you feel about the Bianca Belair-Dakota uh, Kai match and then the matches announced for next week?
1: Yeah, I just kind of looked at the Bianca Belair match almost as a squash. Uh, I know Dakota's coming back and she's got the injury angle and she's just, I mean, right now, they're, uh, to me, they're going with, uh, or I said Bianca, but I was talking about Dakota with the injury angle. Um, Bianca, they're going to do Bianca versus Rhea Ripley. Uh, Before the title match, that's my assumption. Or they're somehow going to work it into a three-way. So if that's what they were setting up, I thought the match was actually really well done. I like Bianca Belair. Um, I don't think she's the best female wrestler that they have or anything, but I think that she's really well, like really well used in NXT. So from that uh, from that standpoint, I liked it a lot. Um, Tommaso Ciampa just nailing this dude. Obviously, it's just setting up him killing the guy next week. to propel him versus Adam Cole, which is what I'm going I'm going to have to assume that this is going to be a three-way or a four-way match. Maybe Gargano's in the mix against Cole again, Ciampa, and Finn in a four-way. That's where I think they're probably well, going.
0: I think Gargano's going to be taken out of the uh title picture cuz he's been going to he's going to be going against another Johnny for the name of Johnny Wrestler uh, possibly in the future is my guess with, um, John Morrison, not being involved in the draft and being signed to WWE right now.
1: Yeah. I, I guess that one's, we just, we just don't know when he's showing up. Right. So if the next yeah, takeover is no before idea. he's actually good. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, that would make, I mean, that's going to be an amazing match. I would rather them do a four way than a three way. Cause three ways are just so awkward. Um,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. They really
0: are.
1: <laughs> I popped myself. Uh, <laughs> um, nah, but all things aside, I think you could go that route, or like you said, you could just split it up, but it seems like they're going down the road of it's going to be either a four-way or a three-way match, um, and like I said, it, three-way matches are usually terrible. I think there's like three or four that I've liked throughout the history of wrestling, because you're just going to have one guy that sells the entire time. Essentially. So, yeah. Just, it, it's just, it's not conducive to good wrestling. Um, but yeah, I, I, like overall, I like all of those segments. I thought it was a very strong, headed towards the end kind of segment of the show.
0: All right, let's get to the last match. Walter and Kushida. This was a pretty fucking. I mean, they made it believable that Kushida could actually, you know, physically go against Walter. Uh, one thing I think it was, um, if it wasn't, I think it was actually Najee McGuinness was bringing up um, Kushida's, you know, uh, influence from Jushin Liger and how Jushin Liger also could just pump up and take on guys way bigger than him, like a Walter. Uh, and, and, you know, just he, Kushida kept on, he got ferocious at one point, uh, and it was pretty awesome. Uh, I think one of the coolest things, I forgot what, I think it might be the time splitter. That could be his uh, his actual maneuver. But his submission, the arm bar, he was able to keep it so many times and at one point even took Walter off the top ropes and put him directly into it. I'm pretty sure that might have been the time where he screwed up his own wrist uh, because Walter just felt right on top of his, uh, which would have made a lot of sense. Like I said, Kushida is injured from this. Uh, the ending, Kushida got hit by a shotgun dropkick and kicked uh, and kicked out of a powerbomb, but fell to a ripcord lariat, uh, very similar to the Rainmaker. But I've seen him do a variation of this because I know that he does clotheslines due to his uh, personal love for Kota Kabashi. Uh, but, yeah, Walter got the win. Still was a damn good match. Still very technical at spots between a huge dude like Walter and a small guy like Kushida. I like to see these guys work again at the end. Imperium stood strong as the show went off the air. Chris, what do you think about the last match between Walter and Kushida? Oh, and also Walter's flesh just falling off of him at <laughs> one part of the match. It looked like Kushida got him with such a tagged him with such a chop across his own chest that he just like pulled a chunk out and just threw it on the ground. It's kinda gross, but uh yeah, that was there.
2: He
1: must have stiffed Kushida, and Kushida gave him one back. I think they should also talk about the fact that Kushida is is a trained mixed martial artist and has had mixed martial arts fights in Japan. I think that's something they should have talked about a little bit more than they didn't. I did like the Jushin Thunder Liger comparison. This fucking match was easily my favorite match of the week. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Dane, I'm going to have to put you over here because I didn't really know about Walter. And you just kept telling me about Walter. And the more and more I watch Walter, I fucking love him. I, I think he's been absolutely phenomenal, especially in the last six months. He's been so great. Um, and I've always loved Kushida because I love time splitters uh, with Alex Shelley. As everyone knows, I'm a huge <laughs> Motor City Machine Guns fan and Kashida fan. Uh, so just a great match. Um, I like everything Kashida was doing, he was trying every way he could to beat this this brutal giant. Uh, At one point, Kushida bit his hand, and I was like, dude, Kushida's amazing. Like, he actually bit his hand, and they called it out on commentary, which was great. He's like, Kushida's biting Walter's hand. I was like, yes, that's what you would do if if you're fighting this man that's trying to kill you the size of Walter. You're going to scratch, claw, bite, do whatever you can. Um, I liked that they made it very believable that Kushida could get a win. And then they gave, you know, at the end, Walter winning is very, very smart. And, uh, I think builds that character up even further. And I'm glad to see that they didn't just go the route like we thought they were going to do where he was going to stay in the UK. Cause originally me and you both, I think thought that he was just going to be the UK guy. Cause he said he didn't want to travel. Um, but I absolutely love this. And I, I've loved Walter's past like four matches. Incredible.
0: Yeah, he's a monster. And you're welcome, Chris. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I I actually, I appreciate it. Uh, Whether the wrestlers that, you know, whether it's a wrestler like Walter where I introduced him to you, I love, you know, finding wrestlers before they get big. Like even Keith Lee, you mean, you kind of got introduced around the same time from a friend of ours. And then seeing them slowly but surely become on a dominant path. I'm telling you, one to look out for, guys, is this guy called Son. Uh, He's this big, beastly-looking buff dude, influenced, I don't know exactly, he looks like he's influenced by Thor and the Ultimate (laughs) Warrior, but he actually can work really well in the ring, he's in a tag team, but I think that you're definitely going to be seeing this monster in something in the future. Um, Let's talk about ratings a bit, Chris. Uh, AEW drew a total of 1,018,000, they were down from last week, Um, NXT had 790,000, uh, they were also, I think. I think the drop for them was 11.3 from last week. What was the drop for uh, AEW? Blah blah blah. As far as demographic ratings, okay, just don't tell me. I guess this person is an AEW fan. No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, uh Chris, what, so the, de- the, you think about the, the demographics.
1: Well, the demographic, especially well, the big demographic drop was 18 to 49, I believe, which dropped off 32% for basically both shows. And uh you had you had uh two I, I think two or three baseball playoff games going at the same time. So they're attributing it to that, which I think is probably okay. AEW actually did a little better because they simulcasted their show. So some people watched it on True T V and some people watched it on TNT. I, I'm not sure why they're doing that. So their numbers have to be combined, so it was like one point one four or something weird like that. Um I don't it's not going to really matter until baseball season's over uh, for us to get like a clear cut what what it is and also like the ratings are going to be really weird for NXT anyways because I still think that you have that crowd and because the show is available on the WWE network they're just going to watch like AEW or they're just going to wait until it posts because they want to watch it at their own leisure I mean I'm very guilty of that. If I if I know a show is coming out on Hulu and I have other shit that I should be doing besides watching TV, I'm just going to watch it on whatever subscription service I have. And I'm not making excuses for NXT um at all, but to me you're you're when you give your fans that opportunity to just feel like I'll just watch it on uh Hulu or I'll just watch it on uh the network, it's very hard for it to be a one-to-one rating. I think me and you have talked about this multiple times. Yeah. While while ratings work and they give you kind of an average of people that are watching you live, and that adds to your revenue and how you can sell the show, NXT is a little bit weird because they're actively saying, hey, we're going to post this on the WWE Network that you're actively paying for, so if there's a playoff game on and you want to watch that, just watch that. Like They're not giving you a reason to – you have to tune into NXT cuz it's it, it's not like uh what they do with Raw which i think it was like it used to be a month of delay right remember when that was a thing on hulu so like if you missed a raw you had to wait 1 month to watch it or whatever uh, so i i think that's uh i think that's going to be NXT's big problem aw i think they're going to rebound i think they're probably going to sit between 1.3 and 1.5 uh, honestly just because that's when Impact was at its top, that's what it was doing. I think it could get bigger. We'll know more after baseball's over. But, you know, people keep people have been saying that, but as soon as baseball's over, basketball starts, um, which is really going to be weird on TNT with AEW, and I, I still don't know how they're going to shift around those shows. So that, that in itself would be interesting. And, and um, Fox Sports with SmackDown has one coming up that's going to be a little weird where they're going to have to move – SmackDown to FS1 uh, because of the baseball, the World Series, and uh, I think a couple playoff games. Because the World Series is actually on Fox this year, so just heads up: uh, there's going to be at least one SmackDown that's probably moved to FS1 coming up.
0: Well, let's let's kind of go into the next direction of SmackDown itself. Uh, before we get into it. Uh, We should mention, actually, what I think I want to do is make a couple comments on the announcement about Cain Velasquez and Tyson Fury at Crown Jewel. We'll go over the draft itself, just so that's taken out, and we'll go over, like, the the bigger matches that are actually on SmackDown uh, before we sign off. I'd like to get a little bit of time to talk about some stuff separately, so let's get through this. But big news, we kind of saw this coming, but they had a press conference, which I thought was cool, uh, handling it like a sports thing. I watched it. It was it was interesting. I just obviously you, the suspense of disbelief goes only so far when you know that they're going to be in a wrestling match. But they added intensity. You also find out Cain Velasquez is on a multi-year deal. Um, he signed it, um, so he's he's actually legitimately going to be a part of the whole entire thing. Uh, but yes, we're going to have Tyson Fury, Braun Strowman, and then Cain Velasquez and Brock Lesnar for the I believe for the title at Crown Jewel coming up which the whole Saudi Arabia thing, you know, that's whatever. But at least it'll be a big stage. Chris, uh, what do you think about this announcement?
1: I'm excited for Kane versus Brock, but my big curiosity there is what kind of match are they going to work? Because if they're just going to give us an amateur match with some suplexes, I'm not as excited as I would be if they're going to have Kane actually work Lucha. So if they have him working even harder with Rey Mysterio and doing what he was doing in AAA, which would completely surprise Braun, he's going to get like a weird surprise victory. Mm -hmm. I'm super stoked on it. But if they're just going to go out there and have like a weird mixed martial arts UFC match with some Brock and Kane suplexes, I'm not as excited on it. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but either way, I'm looking forward to it because I want to see what happens, but I I really want Kane to continue down the route of being this giant guy who's doing Lucha stuff, but if he gets cut off from doing the Lucha stuff, then he's just an attack dog. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) almost make it look like he's having too much fun while he's wrestling, and then when it backfires on him, then turn him into like a Brock Lesnar. I I think that would be a cool way to handle, handle Kane.
0: I want, I want, I don't know how it's going to end. I feel like Brock's going to win inevitably um, because I don't see them taking the title and putting it on Kane just because it is an experience more so than anything. But I want to see some lucha moves. I want to see an actually well-worked match, but they can go from really intense grappling and striking to also much more wrestling baits with lucha libre. Don't just leave it as a fucking boring ass match because it's going to be like even less of a reason why I should be watching these Saudi Arabia pay-per-views. Um, but I don't know. I guess let's move into the. We'll do the first round. We'll just do it round by round. We'll go over the actual picks themselves. I will say that, I mean, I'm really going to assume just because of how excited. I love Ricochet, don't get me wrong. But how excited these boxes, quote unquote, for USA and Fox, how excited they're throwing up papers about signing Ricochet. I, I, I think. The picks were real, but I think they obviously staged that aspect. But they really had a big sports feel on SmackDown. They even had Troy Aikman interviewed, and he said that if he was in wrestling, he'd be doing the piledriver. A lot of that stuff was actually fun. Terry Bradshaw uh, bringing up Dusty Rhodes and how that was his favorite wrestler. And then I, I forget who said Bruno Sammartino was another big sports person, uh, was his main guy. But I like the <laughs> interaction between Fox Sports. I, I did. I think I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, Chris, what do you think about the overall sports big feel and the fake boxes for USA and Fox uh, with their their draft choices before we go into the individual choices themselves? I actually
1: kind of like the production of it. And Fox is really good with their sports commentary. And I think they brought some really good names on with Terry. Like you said, Terry Bradshaw and um, uh, Troy Aikman, uh, former Dallas Cowboy, and, and some of those dudes. Um, also, we got my favorite thing to text you about last night, the Fox football robot <laughs> in wrestling. We've got to get the Finn Balor Fox football robot as a tag team. We just got to do it. We got to get that together. No, I actually, all jokes aside, I, I thought the presentation was pretty good. and no, I, I I look forward to seeing what USA is going to do which I'm guess they're just going to have NBC sports people show up. Would be what I would think, but I don't know. They could just also have the entire cast of suits do draft picks all night. Who knows?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was interesting for sure. Well, Stephanie announced all these, and uh, I have the rounds, like I said. So round one, uh, the first person draft, I mean – Regardless of how you feel about her position, it's not a shock. It's Becky Lynch. She'll be on Raw, still on USA, and not a shock that she stays on Raw since she has a Raw Women's Champion. I don't know how the hell they would go around that. But either way, uh, USA's first choice, uh, Fox picked Roman Reigns for SmackDown, already on there, makes a lot of sense. Uh, And, you know, with the it seemed like just based on a lot of the choices that SmackDown will be your bigger dudes and your more, like bigger-looking athletes, uh, which is what they're going for, and then Raw will be your more athletic type in the sense of, like, you know, high-flying aerial maneuvers, technical, more faster-paced wrestling, I think, is going to be presented. Uh, with the next choice kind of makes a lot of sense, the whole and, – and they're doing it as entities of tag teams are together, uh, stables are together, so the OC, AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson all on Raw. Bray Wyatt, very – uh, probably me and Chris's biggest problem, I, I don't know what they're going to do with Bray exactly, but he's going to be on SmackDown and load, uh, running off the uh, the first round, Drew McIntyre will be on Raw. Chris, what'd you feel? how did you feel about round one?
1: I think if you flip-flop Bray and Drew McIntyre, you're in a perfect spot. Cause yeah. I feel like you protected Drew. Drew can come in and be an absolute monster. He could be your guy that could beat uh, a Brock, a Braun, or a Kane Velasquez. But now you're throwing Bray Wyatt over there, and you want me to believe that any of those people are going to be scared of Bray. So Braun was part of the Wyatt family, so obviously he's not going to be scared of the Fiend. Brock has killed the Undertaker, the fucking Undertaker, the dead man who can shoot lightning himself. I don't think he's scared of a dude with a clown mask on. And Kane Velasquez... He's kind of your weak link, so I think that's where you have to go with the match. So I actually think if if you're booking forward, Kane's got to win the title because you need Bray to be in your heavyweight picture because he's the most over person on your roster. So from that standpoint, I think it's super fucking dumb. They should have moved him to Raw, and if you wanted to have someone that's just a cool character um, on SmackDown, like I said, I would have flipped that pick, or uh, we're going to talk about Kevin Owens. I, I think in the next round maybe left Kevin Owens on Smackdown or something.
2: Alright, round
0: two. Randy Orton, uh, will be going to Monday Night Raw. Uh Sasha Banks, uh, will be going to SmackDown. Ricochet will be going to Raw. Ron Strowman to SmackDown and rounding out Bobby Lashley to Raw. Surprised that Bobby Lashley isn't a part of SmackDown due to what they seem to be doing. Um But most of these other choices, I think, make a lot of sense. And maybe the fact that Sasha was picked so high, I'm assuming everyone knew about injury, so maybe her injury isn't as bad as originally reported since it's only a tailbone injury as opposed to a lower back injury.
1: Yeah, I think think that and them announcing that they may do that Charlotte-Sasha match at Family Jewels or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think that kind of shows that her injury wasn't as bad as initially thought. But, like, when we talked about it earlier in the week, it was there was no confirmation on anything. So, uh, I like the draft picks. I, I'm kind of on the same. I think me and you have the same opinion on this one. Um, the Bobby Lashley thing, I hate that he's going to be on Raw because that means Rusev is going to be on Raw and they're going to continue this fucking storyline. That's 100% what that means. We're going to get more of Lashley cuckolding <laughs>
2: Rusev.
0: Rusev and Michael Kanellis will be on the same teams called the Cucks uh, very soon. Great tag team. Round three, we had Alexa Bliss going to Raw, uh, Lacey Evans going to SmackDown. Makes sense, I think. Kevin Owens going to Raw, The Revival going to SmackDown, and Natalia going to Raw. I think all these choices made sense. I think Kevin Owens shows... He might be bigger, and as much as... I mean, one of his dream matches that he's always wanted to have is against Brock Lesnar, I would love to see that. Once again, we won't see that. They keep on crisscrossing. Uh, but Kevin, just like I know he's injured, and they even brought him up. He was a part of the panel. Uh, Samoa Joe, he's injured right now, and they even said, like, use him as an example. of People that are injured will be moved to certain programs, so they're still a part of this draft. Samoa Joe probably will end up on Raw, which will probably be better for him. Both him and Kevin Owens are bigger guys, but they're athletic as shit. So they're the bigger guys that can move. Even Drew McIntyre, to an extent, usually works very well with smaller guys as opposed to big guys. Still don't understand why Bobby Lashley's on Raw. Anyways, Chris, what do you think about round three?
1: I think that if you're judging it on a wrestling show, Raw clearly won here. (laughs) I I, Honestly, man, if you look at this draft, I feel like Raw is going to be the better wrestling show if they don't make us watch 45 minutes of Lada and Rusev bullshit. Because the actual talent that Raw's getting are better in-ring athletes. So there's that. But uh, I actually like – I think all the draft picks made sense in this one. This one – like, a, the biggest weird, the weird things, like you said, with Lashley and The Fiend for me,
0: completely. Yep. Very strange. All right, so round four. Another thing, SmackDown, they were throwing papers in their little booth because they got Lucha House Party. Whatever. I'm not trying to talk shit about Lucha House Party. Hopefully they'll end up doing something, but they're on SmackDown. Viking Raiders are on Raw. Nikki Cross is on Raw. Heavy Machinery on SmackDown. Street Profits confirmed. NXT team is now officially on Raw. Um, So, yeah, that made sense. Uh, Still, we got – so it looks like, Chris, I'll let you go over round four, but also just let you know that the other available, I think there's another 20 choices um, that we're going to be going over on Raw, and the rest will be called as free agents and will be split up evenly or be presented where they need to go, basically. Certain people will be – Coming forward and trying to make accusations of why they should be on each show. Kind of interesting concept. Very sports like. Hope some of my favorites don't get fucked from this of not being on programming for a while. Uh what do you think about this last round, Chris?
1: Uh Yeah, I didn't really care about anyone in it, so it didn't affect me one way or the other, I guess. (laughs) Um, Like, if I'm just being honest, the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits, The Street Profits are the two old guys (laughs) in the Muppets episode. I can't think of their names right now, but that's all they've done on it all, Um, and they just lost on NXT, and I don't know how you draft NXT talent to raw when you're not, de- I I don't even want to talk about this. It's just gonna piss me off. But the it, the last round was what it was.
0: All right, okay, let's keep on moving. Uh, God, oh okay, so yeah, the ending um, representing who will get the first pick next week. We're gonna start off. So I guess yeah, she's cleared because it's announced by uh, WWE Raws. Becky Lynch will be going against uh, SmackDown, Sasha Banks, whoever wins that match. I guess that will clear their feud, even though they've already done that. Um, That will have the first pick for Raw. So we'll we'll continue and finish the official draft on Monday Night Raw. Let's move on to a couple of the matches from that. Um, Mainly, I mean, let let me look over this. I think we've talked about most stuff on here. We don't really need to talk about Baron Corbin defeating Chad Gable. That was fucking whatever uh stuff hyping up what we already know. New Day had a pretty damn good match against the OC. I would check out that. So yeah, so the three matches, I think let's let for for match quality. Start off with a damn good match between Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. I told Chris I was like this is the closest this is the closest they could do to a quote unquote NXT match uh between two of these guys. They even had sequences that kind of matched like one would do a big move, the other one would come back. They were doing spears and stuff like that to the outside. It was actually a fun match, um, and basically ended in a DQ when the lights went out, and the fiend Bray Wyatt appeared and attacked Seth Rollins from the middle of the ring, very Undertaker-esque, still getting a good reaction from the crowd. I also told you, Chris, it was funny that Seth Rollins was getting uh, booed more so than Roman Reigns, and he was actually the babyface pretty much in the match to the eye of the fans. The Fiend pulled Rollins down in the ring through a smoking hole. Lights turned on, and Rollins popped out of the hole like he was freaked. The Fiend, actually, I thought it was really cool, kind of poked his head up very slowly. And uh, when the show returned from the break, Michael Cole informed the audience that Rollins had won by DQ, so Raw would get the first draft picks, and that would cause the reaction of what happened. Kind of a stupid way to start off due to a DQ, but whatever. I thought the match was good. The ending, even though it was a stupid finish, I think inevitably wasn't a bad way if this is going to be the last interaction between The Fiend and Seth Rollins going forward since he's going to SmackDown. So I actually liked the ending, even though it was a shamanish finish. Um, but, yeah, the ring work I thought was really good. And anyone getting on Roman's balls, I think the guy has endurance and uh, cardio for days to keep up with Seth Rollins. So I liked it. Chris, what do you think? Could you believe that Roman got more cheers than fucking Seth in this? Yeah, that would happen fucking... After, after, no, no, let me let me ask you. After the gauntlet match and how he was so on fire when he first came out with the the burn it down thing, can you, if I told you back then, hey, Seth and Roman are gonna have a fucking match and people are gonna cheer Roman over him in a, in a couple months, would you believe that? Fucking crazy.
1: Yes, I actually would believe that. <laughs> you gotta remember that Roman came back from uh, leukemia as well, and that has a lot of faith in of- me thinking a Seth Rollins Brock Lesnar feud is going to be good coming out of that. Um, what's absolutely crazy is I called this on Wednesday. I was like, if they put them on, if they put them together in a match, Roman is going to be more over than Seth because they have booked Seth stronger than they ever booked Roman, <laughs> which is looking ridiculous. Everyone was so pissed that they booked Roman the way that they did that they turned against him and hated him, and they're doing the same thing with Seth. But it's actually worse if you look at that Hell in a Cell match and the Brock matches. um, Man, Seth's booking is so terrible, and it sucks because I think Tyler Black, uh, a.k.a. Seth Rollins, is a great fucking performer. Um, I don't know that they can salvage this one, man. I think he might just be being booed for a while unless he hurts his knee again or something.
0: How did you like the in-ring work of the match, and how did you like Bray coming out at the end?
1: I absolutely loved the match. I thought it was a very good match. I think Seth and Roman are very, very, both very fucking good in the ring. I thought it was a great way to open the show. Um, Shield versus Shield is always fun. And uh, Bray coming out the end, I, I don't know how to feel about it because I'm still a little, like, weird on what happened in Hell in a Cell, and he didn't really do enough. To a man that was about to bash his head in with a sledgehammer for me, Um, especially if he's supposed to be this demonic figure. He should be, you know, remember that Kane took jumper cables and put them on Shane's nipples, okay? Like, this is this company. (laughs) So if a man tries to kill me with a sledgehammer, (laughs) I'm at least going to blow up his limousine, you know, like that guy that killed Vince McMahon.
0: Yeah, that one dude um who was actually Ted Turner. Uh we we don't know, but that was actually Ted Turner who did that. Anyways, um thought that the uh the New Day had a really good match against the OC and I like that Kofi Kingston got a pin on AJ Styles. I'm not gonna say that it helps him out immensely, but that's a good win for him to get coming off of his fucking stupid loss to Brock Lesnar last week. will be really interesting what happens in New Day. Uh, within this draft. Um, but I like that the OC, like I said, is staying on Monday Night Raw. I think that's good for AJ to be away from SmackDown and be a part of the uh, more in-ring wrestling brother-brother than the Brutes.
1: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I do think it's weird that you're able to draft three people in one draft pick, regardless on if they're like, – because they're not a tag team. So that's a little weird that you get AJ and the OC in one draft pick. But outside of that um, – I, I actually like this match. I thought it was very good. Um, I wish it was a bit longer just because I know both those tag teams are awesome and I wish they would give them like a 15 minute match or something knowing how good uh, the new day is. And also where the fuck are the Usos, Dane? Answer me this.
0: Uh, I don't know, actually. I think that they're actually pissed off at Jay for getting a second um, Dewey. So maybe they've taken him out for like a little while. I have no idea. They better get drafted and they better be on TV real fucking soon, though.
2: Yeah, All
1: agreed. Right. I think you're 100% right on the, the DUI punishment, but I was just more pointing out the fact I haven't seen them in, like, two months.
0: Yeah, I, maybe they'll get in there. Maybe one of them had an injury that we didn't know about. I didn't even know Samoa Joe was injured until they talked about it and I saw him a part of the panel. I forgot that. We might have reported that, and I fucking forgot it. Um... But this last match, I think, is big because of what happened mostly beforehand. Good, good match, uh, you know. Actually, with the in-ring work, but so Bailey came out. She's got this new darker look. She has her whole. She does her whole thing. Brings out the whacking inflatable man. Turns out the music. She cut her hair short. Woo! Uh, well, I'm just kidding. I mean, that, that, that to me is kind of like when the, when you when you change your hair as a as a concept of a heel turn. It's whatever. But what she did with the uh, board with nails in it and popped all the wacky inflatable men, walked down without her music, went right after Charlotte as soon as the bell rang, just completely brought it to her, Um, and she ended up rolling up flair while pulling her hair down, keeping her down to the mat, just being completely heelish throughout the whole thing. They had a good back-and-forth match. Keep in mind, Charlotte's always the heel in these situations, but Bailey was obviously playing the heel into it. She won back her belt. Um, and afterwards got the mic and said, hey, bitches, screw all of you, and threw that on the mic. Uh, Very interesting, and I think, I mean, at this point, she should have fucking done this about a year and a half ago against Sasha during their whole entire feud, but whatever. I think this will work out better for Bayley, and she kind of needed this to help out uh, her overall character uh, within WWE. So now, obviously, Charlotte's going to be able to get that fucking title back real soon and get another little notch Trying to, uh, you know, break her dad's record is what I'm assuming. But uh, very short title reign for the Queen. Chris, what do you think?
1: I think they're putting Charlotte on Raw to go against Becky because they ain't got nobody that's even close to the level of what should be wrestling Becky. And they're going to put Sasha on SmackDown and have those two feud. Um, That's my guess. And I think you're 100% right. They had Charlotte drop the title because they plan on her winning the title at least you know, two or three more times before the end of the year. Uh it's gonna be really hard for them to get to sixteen though. I don't I don't what they're at they were at ten, so they have they, Give her she year. has to win the title Yeah, she has to have win the title six more times in five months or something. So I don't think it's gonna be this mania, but I, I, I think you're you're right. I also think that they just want Charlotte on Raw and they're probably gonna do Charlotte and Becky as a feud again. Um, but, yeah, I thought the match itself was really good. I don't really give a shit about Becky because – or Bailey because they've ruined it for me. They could have done – like you said, they could have done this a year and a half ago, and it would have meant so much more, especially if they would have just done the feud with Sasha. Instead, they made them a fucking tag team, and now she's destroying inflatable people. I, I don't care. <laughs> uh, and she's, And she's a terrible promo, so she's not going to be able to dig herself out of the hole that I've watched for the past two years.
0: Well, I'm I'm gonna let, I'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt, but I kind of agree with you. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. One thing that was cool to happen on Raw that we didn't talk about: the Kabuki Warriors won against um, Charlotte, and uh, or the Kabuki Warriors won against Charlotte and Becky Lynch. They ended up winning, and Becky basically called out Asuka and said that she has unfinished business with her. Hopefully, this is not just to get a win against Asuka. Do you think Oscar has a chance of getting that title belt from Becky?
1: If they're not going the route of Charlotte, if they're going to keep Charlotte on SmackDown, I think that's very much you could see Oscar get a heavy push, and you can still make, Char- or you can still make Becky look strong because she's going to have a teammate in Carrie Zane, and maybe you get a double belt Oscar, and they do like a Becky two belts versus Oscar two belts thing. I could see that happening.
0: Well, we'll have to wait and see. Well, Chris, um, you know, we got a couple minutes left and, uh, you know, we didn't get a chance to really go into this, but uh, kind of going on what I uh, post about, uh, the separate post of the horror style gimmicks and AEW needing to acquire someone a little bit darker. I also made a post about the Mount Rushmore of wrestlers. Now, usually it's equated like I, like I said to the biggest draws, you know, who made the most money for wrestling and who was the most popular. And I think arguably most people usually say it's The Rock, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold are definitely the three, but if you're looking at the beforehand picture of the modern era, Bruno San Martino, or if you're looking at the modern era, it would probably be John Cena, one or the other. But in terms of what I was saying, uh, you know, I said longevity, and I picked The Undertaker, Chris Jericho, Ric Flair, and Terry Funk. What did you think about that, and what were your your choices
1: so my choices, I believe, was Terry Funk, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, and KJ Muda. Um, and I thought your picks were absolutely phenomenal. And I could rotate many people into this. I do have one question for you on this. Um, yes. Can it be a tag team?
0: For longevity's sake, or, or money making sake? Uh,
1: longevity. longevity. Uh, one of them is a the tag team champions right now. <laughs>
0: And NWA, yeah, it would have to be the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> I mean, I would, that's the thing. It would probably be, to me, the Rock and Roll uh, Express. I think you would have to give it to the Hardys for the modern era, just for being so relevant for so many generations. Um, i trying to think of two others. I mean, LOD held it down for a while, but I don't know if you consider them. I, I don't know. I, I'll give it to you, and I'll try to think of two others for me.
1: Well, I was just more thinking about putting them on my Mount Rushmore as a team. But if we're doing tag teams, I would say Rock and Roll Express. Um, LOD is probably a big one for sure. Uh, Hardy's and probably the Dudley's if we're if we're doing yeah. four.
0: Yeah, I could see that too. We need to have an episode where we kind of do stuff like this, maybe uh, get some top fives. You know, they're always fun to kind of go back and, and, and talk about stuff like that. Um but yeah, uh, any any uh, closing statements with wrestling that you'd like to talk about before we go off there?
1: I'm uh, really really happy with where wrestling is right now, and as someone that has lived through the dark period of WWE <laughs> multiple times,
0: <laughs> you mean the SNL days very... of the early the late 2000s, <laughs> early uh, 10s, basically.
1: Yes, I hope everyone stays positive and just really enjoys wrestling. There's so much to watch. It's so easy to access. There's so many different formats. We haven't even gotten to talk about New Japan lately, but it's still fucking awesome also. <laughs> um, and and Death Before Dishonor we haven't talked about. There's so much good wrestling out there. Be positive and be nice to people. And don't get in the comment section. If you don't like AEW, don't, you know, shit. On AEW fans. If you're an AEW fan and you don't like WWE, don't shit on WWE fans. Just enjoy what you enjoy and be nice to each other. <laughs> There's lots of good wrestling for everyone now.
0: As I would say, in, in much more lamer ter- or much more simple terms, uh, don't be a dickbag. Fuck. Jesus Christ. Just be. Just come on, man. Realize there's there, everyone's got a good roster. There's so many good wrestlers. Everyone's got a, a place in their different places. You know, and, and you have options. Like I said, the fact that you can watch a fucking CCW match, a fucking Luthez NWA match, and a fucking Hulk Hogan going against a Great Muda in Japan just by being on YouTube for free, wrestling's good, man. It's a good, good time to be a wrestling <laughs>
1: fan. It's a great time.
0: All right, well, that is an episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, our second one this week. Uh, We're probably going to be doing a lot of these to cover everything, but, you know, we will do our damnedest to make sure we provide enough content for you guys, a part of GeekFibes Nation. Speaking of which, guys, go to geekfibesnation.com, and, uh, you know, you guys can find our articles to all of our various Things uh, you know for, for news of, of wrestling, of comics, comic book movies, as well as links to our Stitcher on iTunes. Um, if you want to listen to us live, Wrestling Geeks Alliance is on a Blog Talk. You guys can check it out. I'll put up the links on our Facebook page. We have an Instagram, a Twitter at Geek Vibes Nation. And like I said, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, all the big major audio things. We release them usually the next day, so definitely check us out. If you are a fan of our show and you listen to us, and I know because I talk to you guys, you know, out there, tell your friends about Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Push the movement. Be a part of the movement because we want to take over. Thank you so much, Chris, for being a a part of the show. Like always, good friend. And check out his hockey podcast tonight. Do you want to give a plug for that, buddy?
1: Sure. Uh, tonight it's going to be – well, it's actually recorded, so it'll post up later this week. Skates the Throats. We go over all the hockey news, all the hockey rivalries. You can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton if you want to talk hockey or wrestling or on Facebook at Christopher.rpatton. And uh, love you guys. Y'all have a, a great weekend.
0: All right. Well, listen to us on Wednesday, 7 p.m. Well, between 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. But you guys have a great, great Day on your Saturday. I'm just saying great night. Uh, and come back next week. Peace out, Geekwise Nation, and tune in next week for another episode of Dragon Ball Z.